Okay, so today is January 10th, 2021. This is lesson number 13, uh, and the subject is entitled, Which Mind? And uh, without going into great introduction every week of repeating what that's all about, I will mention that last week we looked at um, a passage of scripture that spoke of, uh, one moment here, I need to get my dog. Here. Uh, it spoke about uh, one who was, uh, uh, what did we speak about? <laughs> Come on, that means, did anybody listen, by the way, last week? Now this, so we spoke about a man who was uh, possessed with demons and, uh, and and how that uh, is associated with the mind, you might say, you know, yeah, how is that associated with the mind? And that has to do with the fact that there is this conflict between Satan and between the Lord about uh, those who have a mind, which is every human being on this earth, and uh, their desire to have control of your mind or to, to have, have you to pay, pay attention to them uh, by the usage of your mind might be a way to say it. But, uh, of course, Satan we discover in the scriptures and, and when it comes to the mind and his desire to have control of your mind, uh, he's ruthless uh, and really very selfish in that manner. But uh, when we look at the Lord, he's very gracious and he doesn't force or push or prod us to... Uh, uh, to follow him and to, to put our mind on him. <clears throat> Rather, he, through his love, his loving kindness, his mercy, and so forth, he allows us to make that decision. And so, uh, I think it's an important subject. Uh, forgive me if I have to repeat that every week in some manner, but this week I'm trying to, uh, what we were doing was looking at the Old Testament as well as the time uh, that the Lord was on earth uh, in that there was that issue that Satan's desire to have control of the mind. And in this case, there throughout history, the history of Israel, uh, there was demon possessions. And uh, I will read a few verses here. Uh, and, and, and this weekend I spent a lot of time putting together lots of notes, or at least jotting down verses and stuff that I would speak about. And then kind of here at the last minute I've changed my mind, so I'm not sure... Uh, if, if I, I'm well read enough on some of the things we're going to speak today, but uh, I'm going to turn first to uh, let me get the right paper up here. Let's turn to Luke chapter 13, and uh, we're not going. Well, we, we could go through. Let me let me say this: There's over 70 verses in Gospels that speak of demons. And uh, so we know that at the time that the Lord came on earth, I would say there was a a recent outburst of of demonism at that time, spiritism, because um, and when when uh, the Lord Himself was tested in the wilderness by Satan, uh, and if you read those things, you see that He did have some level of power, but in some for some reason. In his mind, he thought he could convince the Lord to do, he tempted him, or tested him, to do a couple of things that uh, that he refused to do. And he stuck to his guns, shall we say. He stuck to the word. And uh, and, and, and anyway, uh, 
there was a, a, an assault upon uh, Satan in, in, in certain words, I should say, that um, the Lord definitely had control of what he was doing. And so, but we definitely see at that time there was an outburst of demonism and and uh, and how they had and, uh, addressed men and, and took advantage of them and so forth. And, that, and that's what our lesson was about last week. So in Luke chapter uh, 13, I'm sorry, said the verse and then I didn't turn to it. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Luke, Luke chapter 13, I'm sorry. We read these beginning in verse 10. Uh, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Of course, this is the Lord. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could not in no wise lift herself up. She was, I've got it underlined here, she was bent double. Uh, so like you can imagine the discomfort of that for 18 years in her life. And uh, you say, well, uh, so what does that prove? You know, anybody could be born with something wrong with them or whatever. So, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Uh, it probably would be a, a good little study to go and look at look up the word Sabbath day and look at the number of times the Lord healed. And I think in every case you will find that there was resistance to that very thing. These people, these uh, of the, in this case, it was the ruler of the synagogue, he answered with indignation because the Lord had healed on the seventh day. And um, and so they looked for every little thing they could. And certainly the law told them certain things they could do and not do on the Sabbath day. But they took it too far, obviously. He says, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on, uh, on the Sabbath. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So here's a, a good ending to this particular event. Uh, his people, there were those who were ashamed. Uh, I don't think that changed their mind, but more, uh, more so was the fact that the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So here we see plainly that Satan had done something 18 years before. He saw this day coming, and I think there were, like I say, an outburst of, of uh, demons, and, and particularly around the nation of Israel. And we'll, I think we'll find that most of them were in the northern part of, of uh, what Israel represented at that time. And we'll see that in a few verses this morning, too. 
So, uh, there's no doubt about it that during this period of time there were spirit beings. And, um, and, and to go along with our list of 70 plus t- uh, times you're going to find the word that's associated with uh, demons, uh, we can add to that list spirits, evil spirits, are unclean spirits. So those go along with what we're talking about here. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 1. Read a few things here. I think that some might think in their mind that, you know, why is this important? You know, we don't really see this today. At least I don't. I've never seen uh, anything like this to my knowledge, in my lifetime. I know there are some countries and there are islands and places where there are spiritism to some degree. And uh, I've seen testimonies of, of um, those who've gone into those countries and have seen those things. Uh, not too far from the United States, I believe. Uh, Haiti and some of those places, there are a lot. Uh, there's, and I think I mentioned this. There's a, there is a, if you want to read a good, and by the way, uh, uh, Ronnie spoke of this last week when he spoke about uh, speaking in tongues and so forth in that in that lesson there is a an uh, a booklet that was that's entitled though I spoke with tongues if you're interested in that subject that's a good one to read because it speaks of a man who was a linguist he was an acts 28er and he uh, this is back maybe 20, 40 50 years ago he was uh, he went down to uh, I believe it was Haiti, and he was he was at, he was amongst a a group of uh, holy rollers, shall we say, uh, that believed in tongues and so forth. And he went down there and uh, and he found out there was a great resistance to to the Lord, and there were a lot of spiritist type things and voodoo and a lot of things associated with that. The the story is that here he went down believing that tongues was something that was given to you in this day and age and so forth. And it was there that he learned just the opposite. And he saw that they they asked him to go because he knew how to speak Spanish. But uh, it's 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 an interesting uh, little story about uh, what he did there and how that it changed his mind when he realized that the things that he had, had heard were not so. So, but but anyway, uh, I think that is not published anymore. It's uh, it was published by Scripture Research. Uh, I think I might have a few copies of it. Somebody wants one of them. I might be able to dig something out there. But anyway, uh, uh, let's get back to this issue here. Uh, Mark chapter 1, and beginning in verse 23. Uh, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who, are, who thou art the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region round about Galilee. And so um, this is just a, a typical verse we will read 
concerning the fact that these these things existed, and the Lord walked, you know, stepped up, and many of these people were healed from that. And so it, it gives us an idea too when we look through the Gospels here that what a, a difficult time the Lord had, the many miracles that He performed, and it wasn't wasn't good enough to to cause people to uh, change their mind about him. Uh, I go down to verses I did. Okay, uh, let's go over to 1 John. So we know that there's, a, let me let me throw a couple other verses in here. Luke 7, 21, while I'm looking here. Uh, let me back up a little bit. Uh, just one verse. When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look, or look we for another? And in the same, in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. So, here we introduce this new term, uh, in addition to that which had to do with demonism. Here he mentions evil spirits, and uh, also in chapter 8, 1 and 2 of Luke, we read, And it came to pass afterward, he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits. So it wasn't something that was just, just occurred to spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons. So, uh, once again, we're looking at the fact that it's multiplied even more when we add the fact that there are evil spirits and evil demons spoken of, uh, or evil uh, or unclean spirits during that period of time. So, we can see what he was confronted with. But, so we still say in our mind, well, that kind of went away, didn't it, after the Lord died on the cross and so forth. Well, let's turn over to First John. Verse, let me see. We visit First John about once every five years, so this is the fifth year, and we're going to turn to it today. First John chapter four, and uh, we probably ought to study this book. It's it's certainly worthy of our attention. It, it gives us an idea of the difference between John's ministry and Paul's ministry, the disciples' ministry, and so forth. And uh, they did read beyond Israel in their writings. And here is here are some things he was warning them about. He says, Beloved, believe this is four one of first John. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So during the Acts period, this was what John was warning some of those uh and that uh, there were false prophets as a result of it, and we'll and there's it would be do us good to read and look at the verses that refer to false prophets. Uh, let's read on. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you. You have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. So 
This was apparent during the Acts period and something they needed to, and there was a way to test it. He said, try the spirits. And if we turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe Ronnie got into this last week, but uh, here we have a list of the spiritual gifts. Let's find that here. Uh, I said chapter 12. Okay. We're not going to read the whole chapter. And we probably won't even read the whole list, but I just want to at least throw this out. Uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Know ye that ye were Gentiles? Why isn't Paul talking to the Jews about this? Well, Corinthians is... I don't want to say it's divided up, but in Corinthians you will find passages of Scripture where he's speaking specifically to the Jews, and now he's speaking specifically to Gentiles. And uh, I was kind of led to believe during my early years of, of uh, studying the Scriptures that um, that was not the case. It was mainly Israel, and they were falling aside here, and the Gentiles were, uh, there's a new transitional period in and so forth. But here we see clearly that Gentiles were the one that Paul was concerned about here. He said, carry away unto those dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. And I'm pretty sure that's the giver there. Uh, the, the giver of the new nature. And he, so he goes on and he speaks about the different... He says, uh, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For the one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. So here's this list. And uh, I've yet to hear in my lifetime uh, anyone who is of that persuasion that you can speak in tongues and so forth today. They'll go through this list. It's usually generally one gift, and that's the only thing that that they're concerned about for some reason. This for one is given the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. So during this time, and and it had gone out into the world, because he writes now to the Corinthians. And so once again, I'm, I'm calling an outburst. I, I don't know what better to, to call it. But during this period of time, these things grew. And so there was that issue. So John tells them how to test the spirits, and here is that fact that there were uh, just the necessity to discern of spirits. And so we might keep that in mind probably when we read, particularly during the Acts period, verses that concern uh, the fact that that there was an issue with some who uh, believed or that had an issue with uh, Jesus coming, that Christ came in the flesh. And that would, of course, been primarily Jews because they were, they would understand what 
uh, Christ or the Messiah represented, and they uh, it was definitely an issue of the fact that they, the the Lord Himself, their Messiah, had come in the flesh already. So here we see that aspect during that period of time. And so uh, what I thought I would do is uh, I'm going to read some verses here. Uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. Did I do that already? I didn't do Matthew 10. Uh, uh, let's read a few more things here before I go into what we're, we're going to talk mainly talk about here. So Matthew chapter 10. Okay. So last week when we um, when we looked at what we did look at, um, let me see here. Uh, yeah, when we looked at the fact that there was this this one who uh, the Lord healed and. I indicated that, to my knowledge, this man was a Gentile. And uh, and I'm going to begin with this particular passage of Scripture because this is the first thing we hear or we ourselves speak when it comes to right division. This is one of the things we talk about that, you know, this isn't for us today. So, in Matthew 10, 1, we read, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples... He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And now he lists the names of them. And in verse 4, he mentions Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And in Luke's gospel, he calls him Simon the Zealot. So if uh, I only want to stop here for a moment because it speaks of the Canaanite, and we think, well, wait a minute, that's that's bad news here because that Canaan is usually associated with Satan. But this is the Aramaic word, and Mr. Bollinger points that out for the Greek zelotes, which means uh, he was he had great zeal for the law. But we can here's a man we hard we know very little of and has spoken very little of, but he was. Categorized, or he was brought into this because of his zealousness for the law, and so we don't hear anything negative or positive about him in any special way when we read this. So, verse five. Now, the, these are not not the word now. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, "Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not." But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I would ask a question here. If he told them to do that, why wouldn't he himself obey by that? And I think there's a long explanation of that. But we will now look at a few verses that, just two or three verses, that the Lord himself did deal with Gentiles. And the things about these Gentiles... He speaks more highly than anybody I think he speaks of in the nation of Israel for their faith. And so let's do this. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. Oh, no. So if you look at uh, if you look at this particular passage here in 10, and we need to really read the entire chapter 10. We're not going to do that. But from the standpoint of what the Lord was doing with his 12... He gave them the long list of things they were to do. So at some time on your own, maybe you want to look at chapter 10, just to read through it. And then when we read chapter, verse 1 of chapter 11, it says, 
And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. So that tells us that all of chapter 10 is this long list of things that he says. And so certainly we can rightly divide and say, well, some of these things are for us and some of them are not. But I want to be careful to say, as well as when we, when we think about the Beatitudes from chapter, from chapter 5 through, is it 8 or something, of Matthew, uh, or the so-called Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're, we're, we're quick on the draw to say, that's, this is dispensational, this is what they had to do during that period of time. That's not to say that the Lord told the Lord told them only specific things uh, that was would apply to them uh, at least when it came to holiness or to obedience and whatnot. There are a lot of good thoughts in there that essentially we ourselves know in, in our own truth when it comes to loving others and so forth. That's a principle that goes that spans all dispensations. So I think we need to be a little careful not to be hasty judging someone who who lives by the whatever those rules. Okay, you will notice if you go through number one, uh, if you go through those through the beatitudes, which we're going to do, or we're going to look at, I think, here in a minute. I don't know if I've got it written down, uh, but anyway. Uh, there are, number one, that was, the Sermon on the Mount was spoken directly to disciples. And maybe you should read that. Uh, because, you know, if you think about it, this is people, this is their daily way to walk. One thing you'll find out, the Lord doesn't mention one thing about the cross or the resurrection and the Beatitudes. So this is before, this is a preparation of a group of people that had 2,000 years of prophecy behind them telling, that the, telling them that this day would come and he, now here are the things they are to do. And they had their Messiah in their midst and, uh, and so forth. Uh, if you turn to chapter 5 and verse 1, that's under, I'm going to go back a couple of verses here. Verse 24 of chapter 4. Uh, well, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. I believe this is the word, uh, this word fame here is the word that we find in Philippians chapter 4 when it says, when he lists off the six things, six or seven things there that he says for us to keep in our mind. And one of them is, if there's, if there's any good report, and I believe this is the same word, I, uh, I know that occurs, uh, this, this, or there is another verse that says almost exactly this, that spoke about his fame. Anyway, if that was his good report that went, went throughout the world. So anyway, uh, let's read on one more. And Spain went throughout all Syria and brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with demons and those which were lunatic and those which had palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. So in this scripture, most of Israel, there were people from most of the land that was associated with Israel at that time that followed him. 
and I would say that most of his ministry is in Galilee and the northern portion. But this tells us truly that those from Jerusalem and Judea followed him. And that is, that is going to be this multitude of people. Verse 5, and seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught him them, saying, and now you have two or three chapters of all of these blessed is this and so forth for them. But notice who he wrote it to. He said he, to his disciples. And that's not necessarily the twelve. That is the disciples, those who wanted to follow him out of the multitudes. And apparently there were those who probably listened in who, uh, who would not agree who would not last long. And there's a point in the Lord's ministry when they were challenged and they realized that this was going to be a rough road, that many of them left him. So there were many disciples, not the twelve, many disciples that left him. But uh, anyway, during that, uh, during that period of time, there's, there's a lot of good things written in the Beatitudes and whatever that certainly we can, I think we can expound into the book of Ephesians and Colossians for our walk. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Yeah, Matthew chapter 8. And uh see what we got here. Like I said, I changed my mind at the last minute what I was going to teach on, so uh, hopefully that did you sound correctly. Uh, in beginning verse 5. And when Jesus was entered at Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. Uh, now I'm going to check something here. Okay, so we're in, let's, let's read a little bit further here. Uh, I might have jotted this down, and we're going to find it in another passage that maybe that's perhaps the issue here. So, and so he, uh, he was entered into Capernaum, and there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of palsy, paralyzed, grievously tormented. So here was a man who was a, a Roman uh, military leader, over a hundred uh, soldiers. He's a Gentile, and he comes to the Lord. And remember what the Lord told, the, told his own people. He says, not to go into the way of the Gentiles, nor go in Samaria, the Samaritans. And uh, in saying, uh, Lord, my servant lieth homesick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And I don't, I didn't, uh, let me see if Mr. Bullinger catches this. Uh, that word there, tormented, I don't have it in front of me, but it has to do with rutting stone against another. Uh, and if I, I don't have that in front of me right now, but it, it would be nice to post the, what the meaning of that particular word was. Uh, but anyway, it was pretty serious of what he says here. And, uh, and Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. So without any, much of any conversation here, the Lord says he's going to come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. That speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. 
and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now it's one thing, the fact that he spoke to a Gentile. It's another thing that he speaks of him in this way. And he speaks this to those that followed him. He wanted them to hear this and to see this. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and there shall be weeping and national people. We won't go into all of that. Uh, but he goes on in verse 13. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So what we don't see here is that the Lord said, Come and follow me. So here is an example of a Gentile that the Lord uh, went to. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 and beginning in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. For some reason, uh, in the last few weeks in my studies, I pay attention to where the Lord was. And it's uh, it makes me want to go back through the Gospels now and put all this together and follow his, and follow his footsteps. And I, I know there's booklets on that, and there's also, uh, you can find some maps that show you uh, the places that he was at and where the scripture is that says that and so forth. So, at any rate, he goes into Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coasts and cried unto him. So she's a not a Canaanite like we think, but she is, uh, this is this Aramaic word I believe, and it speaks of uh, the fact that she was, or, or we see here that she was half Jewish, I got the wrong, if I got the right place, and she was uh, of the ten tribes that were, uh, the northern ten tribes, and uh, these, she was despised by the uh, by Jews, and I may be mixing some of this stuff up for the, another passage we need to look at, but let me be careful here. So uh, it says, uh, "Have mercy on me." She said, "Mercy, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil." So, uh, yeah, if you look in the margin here, uh, I'm, I'm ahead of myself, and this says that. Bozier writes that uh, the fourth of nine occurrences of this title, the woman, a dog of the Gentiles, had no claim on the son of David, hence the silence of the Lord. So she, so she says this to the Lord, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil, with a demon. But he answered her not a word. And... Why was that? She uses this term, son of David, son of David. And the Lord did not answer. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the uh, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from her master's their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee. So, once again, he did not ask for her to follow him, but he honored her by speaking to her, and then he makes a statement that's just profound, that she was she had great faith. So if you compare the faith of these people with the faith of those Jews, you see a difference here. She was not <clears throat> trained in all the scriptures. She was not bound to the law like the Jews were. And the Jews should have recognized some level of righteousness in the law and understood. Instead, it, it was... A, the because of the flesh, it was against them. But here, here was a woman who was, I would say, fairly, fairly ignorant of the scriptures and so forth. She did know some things she had heard, but it was, it was uh, exemplified as great faith by the Lord. So we see there's a couple of cases there. There are, there are some other places that we don't have, don't have that much time that the Lord spoke to, um, to those uh, who were Gentiles, uh, now I can't place the verse. There is a verse that the Lord, uh, or that the writer, the narrator, mentions uh, some verses in Isaiah. I'll have to save that and remind you next week. He takes some verses out of Isaiah that speaks of Gentiles and that they someday would partake of some of these blessings of the nation of Israel. And, and that's in the context of a of a particular event where the Lord was dealing with one who was a Gentile. So uh, I've got to come back to that. I don't think I wrote that one down. Uh, just real quickly in haste in the last few minutes, I thought I would just bring to your attention the four occasions that the Lord with his own disciples said just the opposite. He said, O ye of little faith. And I think in one place he says, no faith. So, We'll read these passages rather quickly, but I, I think they're of certain a certain value because if we are members of the church, which is his body, if we have recognized the phenomenal list of things that we have in Christ, particularly in those first couple of chapters of Ephesians, um, we should be certainly aware of and, and should have our mind... I finally got the word mind in here. Uh, we should have our mind on those things. Things that are above. Things that are far above the heavens and what they mean. We, this is, I mean, some of the things we read here, I don't want to say are shameful. Maybe they are to those that, that should have known. I can't judge those people without looking at myself in the mirror every day and know that, uh, you know, I certainly uh, am weak in the faith when it comes to a lot of things that the Lord speaks of too, so... Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 630, 6, uh, chapter 6, and read up to around that time. I don't know if we have enough time to really do this. <clears throat> I'm mainly reading today. 
in chapter 6. Uh, this is in the midst of what we call the attitudes and so forth. And, uh, and I'm going to start in verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon and riches. <clears throat> Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat. Uh, care not for your life. I believe this is the same word that Paul uses in Philippians 4 when he speaks about uh, be careful for nothing. Be it, here I think in the margin it says over anxious. So certainly this is a principle that goes beyond all the, for all dispensations. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. It is not the life more than meat. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Uh, than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into the barns, yet their heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You think about the wealth of Solomon. <clears throat> There's no comparison. For if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? And so, look in the margin, you'll see that Bullinger points out the four places that this is used, and he's kind of in, put a title to each one. Uh, I might just read that here. That's uh, in verse, what did I just read? 30. 30, uh, oh, you little faith. Okay, yes, yeah, so verse 30. Yeah, so his note says this, O ye little flake. Notes the four occurrences of the word. Olipagapistos. Olipagapistos. The rebuking. And so here he's, he rebukes care or anxiety. Uh, if you look at the next occurrence at 826, he rebukes fear. In 1431, he rebukes doubt. And in 16, he rebukes reasoning. So I, I think I'm out of time here, so we won't read that. But I'll leave it with that. If you're that interested, you can look at look at those just look at that whole those whole passages, and uh, and look at the great and, and put yourself in those put yourself in those places uh, that you read these and say, you know, what would you be doing? You know, do you have that kind of, the kind of faith that the Lord speaks of there? So those are four places where the Lord speaks of their faith. So anyway, uh, I think it's worthy of our attention, regardless of dispensations, about uh, certainly concerning our walk, about our our um, what we how we trust the Lord, and that essentially that's what all of these are. We trust the Lord. But we're, the issue is, are we trusting the Lord? Do we really believe all the things that? That he has given us so forth. So I'm going to stop there, uh, and we'll have a word of prayer, and I'll open up the microphone. I apologize, I was a little bit, uh, lost a little continuity there.
but hopefully the Holy Spirit will only, you'll only recognize the things that the Lord has said here and not my words. Let's, let's uh, close the word prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wonderful truth, for what we have in Christ, for what we have ahead of us in Christ and what to look forward to. And we ask you to remind us continually that we need you as the one who control our mind and who would put things in the mind in our mind through the new nature that we need. Thank you for this group of believers. We ask your hand upon all who are in great need even now. Heavenly Father, that uh, we understand and the things that uh, have been placed in our life and are allowed to happen in our life, that you have complete control of all of them. And these things we thank you now in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen.